1: From pitch side to print to the press box above Providence Park. It's Jamie Goldberg from the Oregonian and Richard Farley from the Portland Timbers and Thorns. This is Soccer Made in Portland. On the scene, all the time. Welcome everyone to Soccer Made in Portland. Uh, It sort of feels like, I I know the Thorns played this weekend, but it sort of feels a while ago that the Timbers played. I was like, I was just thinking about like, what happened in the last Houston game? (laughs) Just having that weekend off. That's the first one we've had all year, I believe.
0: Yeah. Well, we had the bye week.
1: We had a bye week.
0: So, but that actually felt normal (laughs) because it was weird. Just like they came back into town after the Wednesday game, they practiced on Friday, then they took the weekend off and they were back practicing this week. And I was even talking to some of the coaches at training day, just like, it really feels like it's been a long time since we yeah. even talked to each other. And you know, at Timbers practice, you usually say hi to everybody every day, just even though it really means nothing. You're just kind of <laughs> going through the perfunctory, same way you walk into an office and say hi to everybody. But uh, yeah, with Miles Joseph and Carlos Jamosa today, it was really like, yeah, I feel like I feel <laughs> like I want a life update from you. What's been going yeah. on? Things have changed. But even now, sitting down with you, kind of have to actively engage your brain to remember yeah. what happened in the Houston game. <laughs> and I actually feel like, while not a lot happened in the game, a lot of important things happened as far as who played, who debuted, who yeah. returned to the lineup. Absolutely. So I'm looking forward to talking about it.
1: Yeah, and I, I think the result, too, I, we'll get into that, is something that the Timbers should be pretty happy about. Yes. Um, clearly, my prediction did not, <laughs> did not <laughs> predict that. Um, I predicted a 2-1 loss. That did not happen. The Timbers got a 1-1 draw with Houston. I, I think a very good 1-1 draw. yes. You predicted a, uh, a Boba C set piece goal. It was a different forward. A new It forward. was
0: it was. So. And not up a set piece. Like I said last week, I was trying to be a little bit specific. I, we maybe we'll talk about Jeremy Abobasi's performance, but I get the feeling we're gonna talk about another forwards performance, yep. another <laughs> forward scoring a goal. But like you said, a one one draw in Houston. The Timbers have never won there. I don't think we expected them to have the best chances this time because it was shortish rest. They had played the Friday before. Houston's a stronger team than they usually are. Uh, I think a lot of, I think a lot of people have developed a respect for the Dynamo, but the way the Timbers kind of weathered the end of that first half and played pretty strong in the second half, I, I thought it was a really encouraging road performance.
1: Yeah, let, let, let's start with the performance and then we'll get into uh, some specific players. But yeah, I, um, talking about the performance, I agree. Uh, I, I think that... The goal that they conceded probably wasn't the best goal. Um, I, I, I think that that's yeah. something they they want back in terms of the marking and the way they defended that.
0: There was one obvious culprit yes. on that goal, though, we, uh, and we have we have to talk about Jorge Morea's defending.
1: Yeah, we can bring that we can bring that up now. If we want well, to start, I,
0: I feel like it's an issue. I think yes. that you know I have some qualms with his attacking quality too. But I think he's offered an option that is stretching defenses, and defenses have to account for it. I'd like him to be a little bit cleaner on his touches. I keep—I feel like I mention that every week, but you see the value that he has going forward. Defensively, it's, it feels like a work in progress.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it, there's been some games where you maybe can ignore it a little bit, but but obviously in this game, there's this very obvious error where he just leaves his mark on a set piece.
0: And I feel like he kind of looked back and had this look on his face like, ooh, that guy, yeah, mine. (laughs) There was nothing to do. There was nothing for anybody to do really except for go, okay, well, he shouldn't have been unmarked. Let's just go back to the game because it's one of those things like there's no hand-wringing involved. You don't worry about whether, oh, is is this a scheme issue? What's going on? It's like one guy just kind of was watching the ball. It's like, oh, wait, I should have been over there, right? And that's it.
1: I think the interesting thing will be going forward is what we see at outside back because I I do think we've seen enough defensively that just hasn't been I think the level defensively that you want to see out of Jorge Moreira. Um, Like you said, going forward, he does offer something that I think the Timbers wanted in bringing in an outside back. But Jorge Viafania coming back in the lineup, he Ooh. he looked pretty good. <laughs> yeah,
0: I thought both he and Cascante had their best games Absolutely. of the year. Absolutely. But let's talk about Viafania first because if there was one person from Houston that you would pick out and say, well, this guy's going to cause trouble, it was Albert Elise. Albert yeah. And although he had his moments against Viafania, Albert Elise is going to have his moments against everybody. Viafania was really good and it was it was encouraging because I have to admit, after the way that Viafania started the season, I was like, well, you consider his age and where he's at in his career. Maybe this is it. Well, for one game, he looked like a starting-caliber fullback again. And like you're talking about, there's been these allowances that Giovanni Savarese has had to make with his midfield in order to get the most out of Jorge Moreira. And we've talked about Andres Flores so much, playing that right midfield role. He came in in the central midfield in this game. Ignore that for now. Let's pretend he was still at right midfield. He was doing so much covering for Jorge Moreira. But at some point, the team was going to have to evolve. And on one hand, you want to say, "Well, this was off a set piece, so you can't really judge his open play depending by this." But I haven't really seen that. I haven't really seen that moment that gives me confidence in Jorge Morera's defending yet.
1: Yeah, I, I think that given Jorge Villafania 's performance and the potential to reward that. I, I think uh, Gio rewards players that perform well. I wouldn't be at all surprised to potentially see uh, the Timbers going back to Zarek Valentine and Jorge Villafogna. I, I think maybe that's not the long-term option. It's clearly not the long-term option they wanted by bringing Moreira, but this might be the time. Well, they're going to have to do it, it during out. Copa America. Yeah.
0: So Moreira looks like he's going to be with Paraguay during Copa America. Paredes possibly will, will too. So you would figure that Villafogna and Valentine are going to get the starts at fullback during that time. To me, what we've seen, and you, I think it was you that mentioned this on the last show, that the history of Giovanni Savarese is when you get your opportunities, you play well, you're probably going to keep playing. Yeah, absolutely. And part of me goes, well, they invested so much in Morera. We knew at the beginning of the offseason bringing in a right back was going to be one of their priorities. So what would have to happen for them to move away from Morera? But at the same time, they brought in Viafania. T- High-level TAM contract at left back last year, and he obviously was on the bench for the last month. So they're clearly willing to do it at some point to make that change. So I don't know what I'm what to think about that. But I did think it was very interesting that Viafania had his opportunity and clearly was very very intent on making the most of it. It was it was cool to see.
1: Yeah, and I, I think what was encouraging about this game is I think Sarresi made I want to say four or five lineup changes. Um, I think maybe five when I think back to it. And you look at the players that came in, it really looked like players tried to make the most of their opportunities. Adonella came back in, performed well. I think that's a conversation that that is now questionable. Oh, I <laughs> that, feel like, like it's
0: more confusing than ever, yeah. right? I felt like we had momentum going to Steve Clark. <laughs> and we were talking about, well, Steve Clark brings these qualities, and he's just a different goalkeeper than Jeff adonella Okay, well, now Jeff Adanella is back in, and you, you kind of start talking to yourself as if, well, they gave Steve Clark his three starts, and now the number one is back. But is that actually true? And also, when you or I ask Giovanni Savarese about this on record tomorrow's press conference, <laughs> do we think that we'll get like? Do we think we're going to get some insight into that? No,
1: absolutely not.
0: <laughs> I, I think that you know he will say, you know, we are, we're lucky to have a bunch of good goalkeepers. Yes. We really like Steve. We really like Jeff, and we started Jeff on Wednesday because we thought it was the best option, and we'll start the best option against Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah i mean i mean, I don't think we're gonna see until we see what happens in philadelphia and we see what happens with, with what's going forward but there's definitely with the performances there i i think there's a little bit more there's some more competitions that we maybe didn't know where where those competitions were out i mean i feel like the timbers are pretty settled in their center back pairing but i think thought like you said Cascante yeah um showed well renzo zambrano um we, we, we should get into that a little bit more in depth Renzo Zambrano obviously comes in and um, makes a case for being in the rotation
0: yeah at least being somebody that you feel like if he got more minutes after that performance they were earned in some way so yeah you mentioned you know five people came in we talked about Viafana, Cascante Antonella Polo is the other one and then of course Flores comes in to replace Paredes at like what the 30 minute mark or something like something that something around there so it really was Flores and Zambrano holding down the midfield for most of the game I don't think Renzo Zambano performed in a way that we're like, oh my gosh, like where have they been hiding this guy? <laughs> but he did perform in a way like, hey, if that's his first MLS performance and he's coming in for Diego Charon, the goal here is just kind of like to hold down the fort. The fort was held down.
1: I-, I thought the beginning of the game, I thought for maybe for the first 10 minutes he was one of the best players on the pitch. I, I was I was sort of like, where have they been hiding <laughs> yeah. this guy? Um, and then I, I think the game you know, caught up with him a little bit, yeah. and he had some turnovers. And, He's
0: the one that got caught in possession yeah. ahead of the corner kick that led to the goal.
1: Yeah, so I, I think he kind of yeah fell back to earth a little bit um, mm. there. Maybe it's just the excitement of getting into the game to begin with. But yeah, I, I think he held his own. And, and yeah. I definitely think out of this performance, what you can take away is, yeah, the Timbers have an option. Um, now with Davi Guzman on the team, they have an option behind uh, Diego Chara, uh, Paredes, potentially Flores um, that can come into this role and put in a solid performance.
0: And with Christian Perez potentially going to Copa America, Andres Flores might be going to Gold Cup with El Salvador. I mean, Renzo Zambrano is going to get some minutes. And I think that was a very encouraging start. And I don't know how many times we're going to say this during the show. Let's make this the last time. It wasn't an easy place to get his debut. I mean, Houston has wrecked Portland multiple times.
1: Well, that was the biggest reason I didn't think he was going to make it. You were really calling last week saying, yeah, Zerano's the option. I started
0: to believe you, too, because that just kind of like (laughs) reflexively came out of my mouth. And then once you gave me your reasoning, I was like, yeah, you know, you're probably right. Flores will probably go in. Uh, Flores is the steady hand. I mean, I was really encouraged to see Zambrano get this opportunity, just like you know, we've seen a couple of other younger players get their opportunities here too. Foster Langsdorf made his debut yeah. earlier this year. We're starting to see some of these two T2 t- two players trickle up. I know that you want t- these T2 players to show more at the first team level before you draw your conclusions, but I think it does at least show that there is a pipeline that's starting to be established here. And, uh, of course, that's encouraging, especially uh, if there are a couple other players down there like... Marvin Luria, Eric Williamson, who have also at times looked just as good as Zambrano at the T2 level.
1: Yeah, um, we continue getting, and it's not on here, so I'll just bring it up since you did it. we continue getting a lot of questions about Eric Williamson and when he's going to make uh, yeah, his I'm, debut at the first team. I, I don't know if we have a real response to I mean, that one.
0: <laughs> just point to me the person he should replace, because yeah. a lot of people were calling for him in central midfield. One, they aren't really playing a position that Eric plays in central midfield right now. When they're playing a 4-4-2, they're playing without a 10. Eric's playing a 10, or he's playing out wide in attack for T2. He really has never played as one of two central midfielders at T2. People are pointing to his assist totals at T2. Look, I mean, there is no real record of people translating their stats from USL to MLS. We Maybe we need more time with that, but I would also say that if you watched Jeremy Obobasi play at T2 last year, you wouldn't say that he was the next guy up. But what happened was, in training, they basically groomed him for that. So I think it, it always sucks to say like there's another element here that people don't see. There is another element, and to be honest, I don't see it either. I don't know what they're asking of Eric every single day. But there clearly was a reason why Renzo was ahead of him in line. And I would also say this. Eric Williamson has been back with the club for just over two months. So is it unreasonable to ask him to put in half a year before you draw a conclusion on it? I mean, Renzo Zambrano had to put in a year and a half before getting his debut. Marvin Loria hasn't gotten his MLS debut yet. So
1: um,
0: I don't know. I I just don't buy USL numbers that much.
1: Yeah. Um, You you mentioned Zambrano a few times there, and Stu asks specifically, given that we've now seen uh, Zambrano's debut, we saw what he did in, in one game at the MLS level, uh, Stu wants to know Would it make sense To in certain games Rest Chara um, Here and there To get Zimbrano minutes
0: First of all Stu I, I really love you Man um, Your name started Coming up to me On my timeline On Twitter When you were in Arizona This uh, February So the fact that It seems like Every other show You're asking a question That makes us stop And really think about it um, I really appreciate it For me This this goes back to What the streak Is at 24 now 24 yeah, games 24. Since 2015 <laughs> but to me on Wednesday it just shows you how beguiling it is that not one of those games hasn't randomly broken through because if the Timbers had just converted on a corner kick if they had a penalty go their way they played well enough to win occasionally and it just shows you how like statistically anomalous it is that they haven't had a win that being said if you're asking when Chara can and can't be rested one it's clearly a dangerous dangerous (laughs) thing to rest him and secondly to not rest him is kind of unfair to him yeah I mean, he is a player of a certain age. He has a ton of miles on him. When you have short rests or you're going to places that require travel, why not give Renzo Zambrano a chance? I mean, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I think it makes sense to rest Chara in certain situations, like a, a, a quick turnaround or something like that. I don't see the timbers sort of carving out minutes for Zambrano by resting Chara. Like yeah. if it's just a regular week game, I don't see the Timber saying, you know, maybe we'll give Chara a rest this weekend and play Zambrano. I, I don't think that makes any sense competitively, but yeah, given Chara's age, um, given what you expect out of him, and what you want to do for this team, you don't want to run him into the ground early in the season or anything like that. If they have a midweek game when they're rotating a lot of players I think sometimes in the past, Char has been one of those players who's had to grind through. Yeah, uh, I, I think Simbrano might be an option in certain games to to now let Char have that rest in midweek.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking back to last week in the preparation for Houston, and they weren't in town for very long. They only practiced on that Sunday before the game, before flying to Houston and spending two days in Texas before the game. I didn't really sense a lot of misgivings amongst the team. Like, oh, it really sucks that Diego was suspended for this game. We saw that Mabiala was left at home, so they basically rested him. I kind of get the feeling that they were going to talk about whether to rest her off for this one or not. But you never know because players like Valeri, who last year we were always saying, oh, they're going to rest Valeri for this one. They're going to rest, rest <laughs> Valeri for this one. And for like, trips like the New England trip, they did. But a lot of times, too, they ended up playing wow. Valeri on the short rest. Um, but Valeri and Blanco, they played uh, in Houston. So it's a, it, it's a weird gambit this chart thing, because as much as I want to say, it's a statistical anomaly that they've gone 24 games. It's still the reality of their existence. (laughs) So whether it's a mental thing or not, or whether it is something that is defying any kind of predictive logic, it's still happening. Now, I think maybe what Needs to be discussed now is the fate of the other starting midfielder. I think we can call Christian Perez a starting midfielder at this point, right? Yes,
1: I, I, I'm pretty sure the minute that D- Davi Guzman gone and I'm playing to Columbus, <laughs> we can call Christian Perez a starting midfielder. Fair.
0: This is not controversial at all anymore, <laughs> is it? So um, we haven't had an official update on his injury because Giovanni Savarese's press conference is as you're listening to this podcast today, Wednesday. So I'm sure that Jamie's going to ask Gio about this. Um, I'll just say what I know. Christian Paredes has been inside the first day of this week. Uh, today was the first public training. He he didn't come out with the team at the beginning of practice. He didn't train with the team. At the same time, it's only Tuesday, so I don't know what that says about his availability for a Saturday game. Yeah, I mean, how big of a loss would it be if he can't go? Char, Char is going to be back, so
1: it's a loss. But I, I think they showed in Houston they could handle it without. Uh, yeah. Handled okay without Chara and Paredes. Obviously, if you're going to pick between Paredes and Chara in any given game, sorry to Christian Paredes, <laughs> but I'd prefer to have Diego Chara on the field. I, I, I think it's a loss, but but one they can survive.
0: Oh, and by the way, Christian Paredes had a birthday, I believe, on Saturday. He turned twenty. 20- one
1: had a birthday he he got married right a lot of stuff going on in his life yeah he's
0: He's become a starter he's gonna be maybe going to his first major international tournament here in a couple weeks I mean yeah there's a lot of things going on in this young man's life right now
1: (laughs) can't Uh, imagine doing that much at 21 or whatever yeah
0: what was I doing at 21 Uh,
1: not getting married and going to international tournaments and starting in the professional (laughs) yes league
0: there's three things about me that everybody knows (laughs) Uh, Jamie, let's talk about what is probably going to be the biggest story from this game. The Timbers' record signing, Brian Fernandez coming off the bench, scoring an equalizer 12 minutes into his debut. And it's the type of goal that really shows you, well, I think it answered a lot of questions, I think, about how the Timbers intend on using Brian Fernandez. Because rather than stick him out on the right, stuck him right up top. They started getting him attacking the space behind the Dynamo line. And he really looked like a player that we're not used to seeing. In the timbers team a completely different type of player
1: yeah um I, I would quibble a little bit with the idea that it showed how the timbers plan to use him because I, really? I do i do think and maybe it is how the timbers plan to use him but i do think there is a difference with the way you use a player coming off the bench versus the, in, in the starting lineup so i don't know that really? we can read 100 percent into at least positionally where they're going to put him and, and things like that based on I mean, where he came into the game i mean we know the type of player he is we saw the type of player he is but
0: didn't he come on for Polo, He yeah. was playing right midfield at the time?
1: Yeah, but they, they sort of shuffled things around. Yeah, no,
0: they changed, completely changed the formation. Yeah. They went to a diamond midfield that allowed them to have both him and Obobese up top and then yeah. Valeri behind. It,
1: no, it might be. I just I said I, I quibble a little bit about the idea of judging mm-hmm. someone coming in in a substitute role based on the plan. Yeah, I mean, I
0: didn't want to make it seem like this is now written in stone. <laughs> but I think it gives you some idea. I mean, yeah. they, needed, they needed a goal in that game. And I think, you know, this is something that I think that um, player, you know, Gavin Wilkinson, Giovanni Savarese have talked about. His ability to attack the space behind. Like if that's one of the prime reasons they got him, you don't really attack the space behind from right midfield. I mean, you can but, I mean, what what I saw, and of course like you said, small sample size, you don't want to go too much off of it. More than just him getting behind for that goal, the space it opened up underneath for Diego Valeri and Sebastian Blanco... I should have thought about that before, but I didn't think it out that much. How much having somebody that's going to force the back line to drop? How much that can really impact the rest of the field?
1: Yeah, I mean, you could see how much he wanted the goal. You, you could see just yeah. from—I mean, maybe that's a debut thing, but it seems like that's just his personality. He's a guy yeah. that wants to score. This goals. is a
0: very focused guy. Yeah, I mean, it's—I mean, I, sometimes I wonder if it's going to wear off because he's only been here what a week and a half now no, or... we'll see <laughs> but yeah but he's this is like such a focused guy it's I, it's intimidating I
1: just don't think I've ever seen someone on the field competing for the timbers that just like that you just can point to in that way and be like that guy is going to score a goal that guy yeah. he's going to take every chance he gets if he doesn't score a goal I I'm shocked
0: well the goal scores <laughs> the team has had in the past are you know even the players that didn't score goals, the people that came in and were supposed to score goals are Kenny Cooper, Chris Boyd, even let's fast forward to Adi. Completely different types of players. These aren't players that are going to beat you for pace behind. If you're playing a high line against them, they are kind of screwed. Like they're not going to be the player that's going to snap that line.
1: Lucas Milano.
0: Well, I mean... Yeah, I mean, (laughs) clearly being able to beat a high line is not a be-all, end-all, right? I mean, this player is just completely different and I mean... I have to say like based on some of the the training sessions too like in training sessions he's the guy that you I mean I'll, I'll give some hyperbole here but he's the guy that like players come up and it's like yeah he scored 5 goals in the in the in the scrimmage here and it's like 5 goals in a scrimmage why is he taking the scrimmage so seriously and he did I mean it was Mark Mark Parsons the other day that said that Dagny Bringard started scored 3 goals in a scrimmage that yeah. they had had on the weekend before they went to Orlando I mean that's what Brian Fernandez is doing every day in training right now. And I don't know if it's just the high from being here and he's just at a peak, but initial impressions is this guy is beguilingly driven to getting goals.
1: Yeah. I would agree with you that I think they're going to try to you know use his talents. They're not going to stick him out <laughs> on the right wing. I'm interested to see exactly what it looks like from the yeah. setup and the lineup um, when he's in the starting eleven which I think, I don't see any reason why not, could be this weekend.
0: Yeah, you would think so. I mean, why bring him off the bench again? Uh, But you don't, I mean, we're not going to get somebody to tell us that. But I mean, it seems like the progression that you would want, you know, he trained here for a week, obviously couldn't play in the Vancouver game. Then he played 30-ish minutes, and why not start him? The question for me, and this dovetails into our discussion about Morera, do they go to the Diamond midfield again? Because that way you can fit in those four players that we've talked about ever since it looked like Fernandez was going to come here. There's a natural place for Abobasi, whose hold up play maybe, maybe becomes a little bit easier if Fernandez is stretching the linebacker, pushing the linebacker. Fernandez we talked about, Valerius is a 10, Seba slides in, Seba, Sebastian Blanco slides in as one of the 8s on the diamond. But the diamond is a notoriously narrow formation. It not only requires those fullbacks to provide the width, but it isolates those fullbacks potentially too. Moreira's defense if they're going to go to that diamond what is going to happen with Moreira's defense
1: I mean even if they go to the diamond I I know you you, you want your full backs to sort of be able to stretch the field but I, I still think you still might you have Yefania on one side that, that can do that I still think you may be putting Valentin
0: I mean, Valentine has to have a home here I think he's certainly proven to be the best offensively of the fullbacks and the most consistent of the fullbacks and that consistency has its upsides and downs he's not going to bomb forward like you would want but he's also a guy that is better than the other two guys is actually coming into midfield in the attacking phase when you are set up in the final third and being a holding midfielder he has the technical quality and the intelligence to do that so while he's not somebody that's going to bomb forward, he allows that little twist that then allows you, whoever's playing your eight, presumably Chara, to get forward and have yeah. an impact going forward. So there's a lot of options here, it feels like.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think the one you've laid out it, with Valentin in there and kind of the, the description you've laid out makes a lot of sense. I wouldn't be surprised to see pretty much that exact lineup and formation this weekend, but there are options and I think it's going to continue to change and evolve. I, I also think that Tim Sovressi is going to see sort of how, um, Fernandez fits in and, and whether it, this formation is working or not, whether it's exposing the defense or not. And, and I think we could see changes. I, I mean, it, it might take a little time to integrate him in, in the exact way they want. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was an exciting performance. And I am really looking forward to seeing him in the starting lineup.
0: Absolutely. Well, that might happen this weekend. And speaking of Diamond midfields, they're going to be playing at a team on Saturday that has been playing at Diamond midfield all year. That's the Philadelphia Union. Philadelphia Union coming off a nil-nil draw against Seattle this last weekend. They're sitting on top of the Eastern Conference. Uh, 24 points is, as I look at my screen right now, one point. Eight, five points per game. That would make them the fourth best team in the Western Conference.
1: Why? <laughs>
0: why? What do you mean, why?
1: Why is Philadelphia right. so good?
0: I thought you were asking why I said 1.85. Like, who cares? No, no,
1: I care about that. I just, (laughs) I mean, why are they that good? (laughs) I mean,
0: their underlying indicators indicate they really are that good. They're a plus 11 in their goal difference. That's the second highest total in the league, only behind LAFC, which is off the charts. I believe they're plus 112 at this point. But the union, when you look at their team, why are they that good? I completely agree with you. Their talent is unremarkable; their system is unremarkable <laughs> i don 't when you watch them play they they're just reliable they 're not that impressive but i I guess what comes to mind first, Jamie, when you ask that question is there's something to be said for continuity to keeping a team together and allow them to stretch their incremental grains that term that you hear players and coaches use all the time and it sounds like you know training ground speech but you have incremental games throughout the season. This team has been able to make incremental gains for like three or four years under Jim Curtin. And maybe this is just where they're at. Maybe they're not a 1.8 point per game team, but if they settle in at one like 1. 1.6 or something like that, I don't think that's so unexpected. Maybe they're just performing a little bit above <laughs> their level.
1: My favorite part about Philadelphia Union being at the top of the Easter Conference is that they made so many headlines this offseason for, for signing... Uh, Marco Fabian and mm-hmm. he's played one in the last six games
0: and to be honest with you I, I'm i just not that impressed by him <laughs> I, I he had a very injury riddle time in Germany they were going to install him as a 10 I'm always skeptical of just taking somebody who is talented more talented than your average MLSer and putting him in the middle of the field they lost Bordax Doskal who led the league last year in assists I thought that was going to be a little bit overlooked and Honestly, people, they, they point to Alejandro Bedoya, who is a, is a very good player. I don't think he's that great. Harris Madunyanin, who is their kind of delight, deep line distributor, he's really good, but I don't think he's that great. Their goal-scoring options, I, don't, I guess I don't know why they're that great, but I think it's a testament to the fact that they've, they've played long enough together to get to the point where they're good at what they do, they don't make mistakes, and particularly early in MLS seasons, that's enough for a yeah. good start.
1: I guess so. (laughs) I mean, I can see the standings, but yeah, in in trying to look at Philadelphia and trying to figure out what it is. I mean, maybe it is just chemistry and consistency and being together, but it's not like they have specific players on the roster that are are, are just, you know, the the game changers of MLS that you are are easy to name.
0: Yeah, this... I mean, I don't want to fast forward too quickly to our predictions part, but this just screams to me the type of team that over the last year and a half, Giovanni Savarese's tactics has found a, a way to befuddle a little bit. A team that seems like they're clicking, they've got a good thing going, and then Savarese puts in a game plan that stresses them in one area, and it really challenged them to have a second trick. And the teams that don't have a second trick end up kind of being, well, like Columbus this year. Columbus, hey, like they're pretty good. They're not scoring goals, but they're reliable. And Giovanni Savarese just put in a plan that was just kind of like, well, no, like figure out something else to do, and we'll see how good you are. And guess what? Columbus hasn't been very good since. Or Toronto also has not been very good since um, the Timbers played them. So I, this just seems like the type of team that while like, – kind of like we said with Columbus and Toronto, ooh, this is going to be a tough road game – I have more faith in the Timbers in this game than I had with them in Houston.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think me as well. Um, Kaz wants to know, who starts in goal this weekend? For the oh Timbers? my God, I have no idea. <laughs>
0: By the way, did you see the exchange Kaz and I had um, in your mentions after the Thorns game? I believe so. Kaz was coming to well, like pick up your flag from the battlefield and was like waving it in my face. Basically saying, see, when the Thorns when the thorns lose their players, they are, they are going to have trouble. Um, which was actually true. Yeah. Uh, so we can talk about that more with the Thorns. But Kaz, I recognize your name. I am no way whatsoever going to predict who starts in goal this week. No way. You go ahead and do it.
1: I'll predict Adonella just because I don't think... I think when someone plays well, you keep playing them. I don't mm. know how that's going to pan out with Steve Clark. But I think Adanel. Hmm.
0: So... I'm going to I'm gonna go for a theory here that when the team wants to play our higher line, they're going to start Steve Clark. I think against Houston, they were a little bit reluctant to play that higher line because of players like Minotas and Elise. And they played more of a medium and uh, settled into a medium block. And so Jeff Attanella having to come out and cover that space and use his feet more was not going to be something that happened very often. Now, against Philadelphia, I can actually see them playing a higher line. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, but I refuse to make a prediction on it.
1: I mean, if, if that's the reasoning, if that's, if that's the thought process that Sabresi is not going to tell us, yes, then that would make a lot of sense. You know
0: what, Kaz, Ivačič, Ivačič is <laughs> good starting at this one. We saw, Hey, we saw two debuts in Houston. We're going to see a third debut here. Alias Ivačič gets to the start.
1: You think, you think he's a uh, healthy enough for that hypothetical?
0: i I have no, I have no reason <laughs> to think he is. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm going to bet on the 100 to one shot here. <laughs> um, so, This is going to be a milestone game in that it is the end of the longest road trip (laughs) in Major League Soccer history. The Timbers are going to go into this game at 3-6-2, 11 points. I think you and I have both said that while that's not amazing, that is fine. So I'll put this to you. How is the result at Talent Energy Field going to change your opinion of how this road trip fared? Or how they fared on the road trip?
1: Yeah, I, I think they set the goal of getting at least 12 points. So if they don't get it, it would be a slight disappointment. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it really changes um, how I feel about this road trip. I, I think the road trip started out terrible, and this team recovered, and it's been playing good soccer. Uh, and you can be pretty happy with where this team's at at the moment. Um, whether or not they come home with 11 or 12 points, I don't think that's going to define their season, and, and I don't think it changes at my feeling of the road trip right now. Hmm. Well, I guess unless they go in and they look like they were playing earlier the season and it, I, something crazy happens. But
0: yeah. But then I, go, I don't think I would blame that on the road trip. I think I would just blame yeah. that on them having a bad game.
1: Yeah, most likely.
0: Yeah, I think I'm with you. Like no matter what, even if they win, and if they win, come home with 14 points. I feel I, pretty good about that. Yeah, I feel pretty good about that. But I'm not going to feel dramatically different than 11 points. I think the Timbers basically survived either way. They come home with 11, 12, or 14. I think they can look at this road trip and not only that they survived, but I think they obviously had a huge challenge that started with that San Jose game of kind of like, you guys might be bad. Like, you guys have been talking to the game, but you might be bad. And they obviously responded to that. And I think that that to me is going to be the lesson of the road trip is that they – they had their first their season's first big oh no os moment, and they they found a way to respond to it. All right, let's go to some listeners' questions. I'll bounce these off you. Heath, Heath says, can Brian Fernandez get double digit goals this season?
1: If he plays like he did in Houston and with that uh, sort of fire to score goals, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I think you're basically asking for him to have a little less than a goal every other game. So yeah. You think so. I mean, that's kind of the rate that people want from their super-duper goal scorers. So I agree with you. Um, but maybe the question, like you're kind of hinting at more, is what is the likelihood of that actually happening? And I would say uh, double digits is a lot. I would say there's a 2-5 chance, 40% chance.
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty reasonable. I, I think if he lives up to expectations of what, what the Timbers sort of want him to and, and sort of the performance he put in... It, goal rate wise in league MX he'll do it. Yeah. Um. But it, it's hard to predict this early. Anything can happen. Chemistry uh, players sometimes struggle to adjust to MLS just because of the travel and the change in uh, conditions from place to place, things like that. Uh, we really don't know. Um, we know he wanted a goal that game. We know he came in with the right attitude, but it's really a small sample size. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really encouraging to see, but I, I think we'll have to get a bit more of a sample size, but if he play, if he keeps playing with that sort of fire, and he plays like he did in League MX, I, I think yes.
0: And I think the most encouraging thing is that this this guy seems to, while appreciating that's an accomplishment that he played well enough for a team like Portland to spend the money they did on him, he is taking nothing from that accomplishment. He's just more like, okay, like let's play, let's go, let's go do this. He's not stopping to soak it in. He's not sitting here going, yeah, you know, I've made it now. No, he's he wants to get to that next game. So. Mentality wise, he's certainly up for it. I guess I would consider his first season in MLS a success if he got seven or eight goals, and it's a really clear success if he actually got yeah, the ten. Absolutely. Uh, Michael asks, "When will the Timbers manage to keep their first clean sheet?" Oh my god, I had totally forgotten that they hadn't kept their first clean sheet. Yeah. Is, no, it's a good thing to remember, Michael.
1: Um, I'm gonna say.
0: You're, you want to say this weekend? I, I see you
1: playing no, with it. No, no, I'm not going to say this weekend. I'm going to say June 30th, FC Dallas at home.
0: So over a month away.
1: But I, that's only that's
0: only four games, right?
1: My my reasoning is that I am not confident on the road. I, getting clean sheet on the road is hard. Right. It, it might happen, in, especially maybe in a zero zero draw. But it's hard, and so I'm not willing to bet that, especially looking at this Montreal game, um, the next road game, which comes in a midweek game, that, that that's going to be a very tough game. Right. Um, I think they'll rotate their lineup there and have fresh legs for the Dallas game on this Sunday after that. I think we saw that Houston is good, and, and their attack is definitely potent. And LAFC... I. I in almost every case, I would assume the Timbers are going to win at home in their opener. And I, I still might predict that. We'll see how I'm feeling after this weekend. Oof. But LAFC is. I'll just. LAFC is going to win the supporter's shield this year. So.
0: Yeah, you're bringing back the <laughs> hot take segment with that
1: one. Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> no, Am the, I? Is that a hot take, really? <laughs>
0: no, it's not a hot take. That, it's our hot take our segment. Hot take yeah. segment yeah. Yeah, uh, our hot take segment, sp- yeah. Yeah. Our hot take, sponsored by Kenmore Freezers. Um, I think that, you know, last year against LAFC, they played really well and Carlos yeah. Vela still, but I think on LAFC list, right?
1: is better. <laughs> I think they, I think it's just that they've come together as a, t- I mean, they've just had a year together playing together. Yeah. I think they are a better team than they were last year, even though a lot of the talent is the same.
0: Yeah, no, they're, they're clearly really good. And we'll have plenty of time to talk about that next week. um, But, Michael, I I don't know. I think Jamie's prediction is fine. I wouldn't be surprised if they kept a clean sheet this weekend, but also I think it would be foolish for people to say, like Jamie said, that they're going to go on the road and keep a clean sheet. It's life on the road. Uh, But I do think it it can just come at any time at this point. Um, Andrew asks, Did I see that right, that the Timbers have no players going to the Gold Cup? Well, we already talked about Andres Flores a little bit. But beyond that?
1: As as far as I could tell, Andres Flores was the only one on... And and those are not the official rosters. Those were the... The preliminary, 40, preliminary men. 40 men roster so Andres For- Flores is on that I, he very well could go um, I think as, as you point out Copa America is, yeah. is also going to take potentially players away um, but in terms of the Gold Cup yeah Jeremy Boves was not on the US uh, 40 player roster so uh, Andres Flores is the only pro- person on the Gold Cup Copa America potentially Paredes and Morea. Mm. Uh, are we missing anyone else?
0: Polo, Polo. and potentially Zambarano yeah. so I would. I'd be surprised if all four of those people are going to Copa America, but four are in play, and um, there could be some other absences too because the United States has a U twenty three camp also. So last time they had a U twenty three camp, Jeremy Abobas, Eric Williams, and. Eric Williamson, I said that. In my mind, I said Aaron (laughs) Williamson. Uh, Eric Williamson and Marco Farfan uh, were called into the camp in Spain, and Miles Joseph was an assistant coach for that camp in Spain. So we'll see. um, There might still be some U.S. absences from the team. All right, let's go ahead and shift gears and talk about the more recent game, a slightly more disappointing result. The Thorns looking a little bit road-weary, a little bit lacking in punch. In yep. their final third, lose 3-1 to one to a Spirit team that, while they looked much improved, maybe looked a little bit better than they should have against the Thorns.
1: Yeah, and we looked like uh, people that don't know how to make predictions.
0: <laughs> well, then we look like ourselves. Jamie, yes. <laughs> when, I think I said this last week, 2-1 victory for the Thorns is what you predicted. I think that was a perfectly reasonable prediction, but I think we all saw that the Spirit are way better than we, should, than we knew before.
1: Yeah, and you predicted a Haley Rosso goal, and uh, unfortunately she did not play.
0: Yeah, hip problem has come yes. up. So best of health to Haley Rosso, who has now joined her team. I believe Australia is training Turkey ahead of the World Cup. So she's there, and uh, she reminded me of this a couple months ago when I interviewed her When she, at the 2015 World Cup. She was the third youngest player for Australia on that team, but she got zero minutes. So while this will be her second World Cup, it, she still hasn't played a minute.
1: Yeah, so hopefully her uh, she's healthy because yeah. I, I I don't think she'll be a starter, but she will definitely play if she's healthy.
0: Agreed. Oh, and she might start one of the group games. Yeah. Um, I think at the Asian Cup, which was their last major tournament, she played all three group games, got hurt in the third one, but started the second one. Granted, that was against was against Thailand. Oh, I... Okay, everybody. I can't remember everything about the 2018 <laughs> Asian Cup. You got me. You got me. Let's talk about what happened on Saturday. Thorns three to one loss to Washington. Washington got a goal from Ashley Hatch. Two goals off of corner kicks. Uh, the Thorns got a goal off of Caitlin Ford's torso after Anna it. Off
1: her torso. It was off her head. It was off her head. It was off her head. Oh,
0: okay. I I just saw it hit her, and she kind of just like turned her whole body to steer it there. It was
1: definitely off her head, and I. Not even sure if she turned... I mean, maybe she turned... I, to give her the benefit of the doubt, I'll say she turned her body to steer it. I... Part of yeah. me thinks that she turned her head away. I thought she
0: chested it in.
1: It de- I, I, uh. it definitely came off her head, but I'm not sure how much uh, she was actively trying to score.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why I... I mean, I, you know... I, I know, think Suna she Gosteva, was reacting Suna to Gosteva, a just, ball just, coming at her face. It was Sinnergorshev to play the ball, right? Just I drilled it right so, at her. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah.
1: I think she was reacting to a ball coming at her face yeah. and hit it perfectly into that.
0: Oh, her, the shot was basically just shrapnel off the explosion. <laughs> I mean, somebody threw her a grenade and she just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. But three to one loss that maybe was a little bit closer than that score, but certainly the spirit I think were the deserved winners. Um so I posted this question to Twitter. I'll share the results here, but you have it here in our notes, and I think it's a good place to start. Was this result more the Thorns being bad or Washington being good? It's a tough question.
1: Yeah, I think it's a little of both, but... No,
0: no, 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 no. No, but... No, but, okay, okay.
1: But <laughs> I think it's a little both. I don't think it's completely one way or the other. I, I, I will lean a little bit more and I, I think this maybe is different than you said I will lean a little bit more on the thorns being not up to the level you want them to be
0: yeah ah, uh, and I think this is completely debatable there's who knows what the right answer is here I think you know in talking to the thorns over the last couple of days and all of us talking to the various thorns after practice today I think there was a sense that they felt they could have done better and so that says a lot I think um I do think with Washington and Sky Blue in particular There's this tendency for people to just dismiss them outright. But it was also very clear from the opening moments of this game that this Washington team is good. Um, But they're not so good that the Thorns shouldn't have have fought earlier, fought harder to keep that game from getting to where it did. So when we start to talk about the nuts and bolts of this performance, the defending, let's start with that first. Three goals allowed, weird circumstances. One was an old goal. Anastasia Negoshevich with an assist off of Dagny Brinyard steuters <laughs> shoulder shoulder-slash-head. Another one was an Olympico for um, Jordan DiBiase, where Chyna Matthews basically screened out Bredeckerstrom. And the other one was a, a good goal, but it was Amy Harrison with a defense-cracking pass to Ashley Hatch that really showed some breakdowns for the Thorns. How much should we be worried about the Thorns' defense, and how many more weeks in a row can we ask this question?
1: All season, All season. <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, I, I am a, I'm I'm concerned about the thorns defense. I, I I think what we're seeing is we're not we're not seeing consistent. Um, we've seen a little bit of set piece breakdowns recently, but I don't think we're throughout the season so far. We're seeing the same errors over and over again. Right. I, it, it's not something where you're saying they need to correct set piece defending. They need to do better job man marking in these moments. So this individual is having too many errors. It's been different, but it's too much of a reminder of sort of the inconsistency defensively that we saw last season. And for whatever reason, the Thorns, despite really not making too many changes to their defense, obviously now they're dealing with some around the World Cup, but without making too many changes to their defense over the last few years, have had breakdowns the last two years on defense. And so I am a bit concerned about that. And I am concerned, especially in this World Cup period now, where I'm not as confident that their attack can pick up the defense in the way it had been.
0: Yeah, clearly. I mean, as much as I've been kind of like, you know, deriding you for keep bringing up the World Cup absences, one, we're here. So you got to talk about them. Two, look, we know the thorns were going to dip during this period, particularly in attack. And the defense needed to be good enough to compensate for that. There need to be people to come off the bench to find those goals too. But it was unreasonable to expect that the attack was going to maintain the same levels that it had in a four-goal performance at, at Chicago, getting those two goals back at Sky Blue, the multiple two-goal performances against Orlando. Now we're in a place where the only team that hasn't scored multiple goals in a game against the Thorns this season is Orlando twice. And Orlando is clearly the worst team in this league. Yeah. So right now for a variety of reasons, the reasons seem to change every game. The defense is breaking down and kind of like what they said to us at practice today, they're just, there isn't enough urgency. There isn't enough of a sense of pride in those players going out there and saying, Hey, no matter what we're keeping a clean sheet today and we're willing to make the sacrifices to do so. It just isn't happening.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that is a concern. I think it'll be interesting to see when they come home, if if things shift, they have been on the road. This this is going to be their sixth game on the road. Um, And and their road records, not bad. I I mean, for a team that hasn't had the chance to come home yet, they've dealt with these two game trips where they've been on the road for an extended period of time. That does impact players. Uh, As the Timbers have said, it does impact them. Uh, So I am interested to see if this clears up when the schedule becomes um, more regular uh, but right now, I, I mean, given what we've seen in, in the sample size we can look at, I, it, it is concerning. And I, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to flip the switch.
0: I floated this theory by a couple of coaches and a couple of players over the last couple of days. The idea that Saturday might be a good wake-up call and allow them to find that sense of urgency and refocus against a Sky Blue team that maybe they, didn't make, they overlooked a little bit earlier this year in that 2-2 draw, allows Sky Blue to jump out on them by two goals. And... I thought it was kind of a clever way to look at it. And everybody was kind of like, "Eh, maybe like there seems to be this feeling that, you know, more than just overlooking opponents that they just need to play better. It's not about overlooking opponents. Maybe life on the road is getting to them a little bit. Maybe that's fine. I think there's this general sense that they should be finding solutions to problems that are persisting for way too long.
1: Yeah. And I mean, this is the question you didn't like earlier this year, but like you said, we're, we're here. here. Are you comfortable with where the Thorns roster is at right now?
0: Yeah. I've been thinking about this question a lot ever since having that uh, interaction on Twitter with Kaz that I alluded to before. So Kaz kind of said that I kind of said, look, it's one game. Give it, give the spirit some credit, but it was a really arrogant response. And I think, you know, in a lack of patience, there's always arrogance. And I think, We need to recognize that the Thorns are going to be a lesser team. And while that seems obvious, some of the ways that I've talked about things has made it seem like I don't recognize that. My big thing is you look at the Thorns and you look at the players that they have and you compare them to Seattle, Utah. You look at the other players, teams in the league. There are some teams in the league that are in pretty good shape, like Washington and Houston. But Chicago, North Carolina, they're they're majorly hit too. One, I think the Thorns are in decent shape. If they end up having a bad period here, talent is not going to be the problem. It's the inability to find a solution with that talent. Secondly, the goal here is not to thrive, it's to survive, right? I mean, if the Thorns make it to the same point that they did in 2015, when they were 4-4-4 four, four, and four, by the time that players kept returning, they'll be in position to make the playoffs. Like we said, the problem that year is that when the players return... There was no structure in place to actually say, okay, let's go. It was all just kind of like, eh, okay, let's do it, all right. Oh, it's not just coming together. We don't know how to respond. So for me, that's that's how I'm looking at this World Cup, period. So to answer the question, do you still feel comfortable where the Thorns roster is? I feel comfortable with the roster. That doesn't mean that that roster is necessarily going to provide solutions. That's what we have to start seeing this weekend. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to bring in. I have this lower on our sheet, but I'm going to bring in Jeffrey's question here. He says, "Who will sco- score for the Thorns now that the World Cup players are gone?" That is my biggest concern. Absolutely, because the defense—if they don't—if the defense struggles, if the defense doesn't find a way to to just start getting clean sheets and, and be um, as consistent as possible, even if they're conceding a goal a game on, right. on average, I am not convinced that this team, and I, they have to still prove it will be scoring goals at the rate that they need to to get results.
0: Yeah, if the prescription for the Thorns surviving this next eight weeks is to win two one games, no. Because you look at the goal scores. Anna Maria Cernogorchevich, inconsistent. Dagny Brinyard starter, not proven since she's come back. Maybe she might get there, but she needs to grow yep. into it. Tyler Lucy, I have a lot of faith in Tyler Lucy. Her goal scoring rate has been good. She's never been put in a position to consistently start. Simone Charlie Zero minutes signed as a uh, as a supplemental roster player. You can't just assume she's going to come in and live up to the words that Mark Parson has said for her. So you put all that together, and it doesn't look like a form. I'm forgetting Mitch Purse too, by the yeah. way. Um, so, but she has zero goals in her NWSL career. Yeah. So you put all that together, and you're you have to say to yourself, we have to we have to find ways for single goals to hold up, and. To this point, I think the, the best reason that you can think that that'll start to happen is less about the Thorns' defense and more about the talent loss with other teams. So I don't know. I think there are a lot of questions to be had here over the next few weeks or so. I think they have the personnel to do it, but it's a matter of actually making that personnel work.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about the next few weeks, or more specifically, let's talk about this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Thorns are, as you alluded to, are going to Sky Blue again. Uh, they play them Saturday at 3 p.m., Uh, The two teams played to a 2-2 draw in April. Obviously, Carly Lloyd had a big impact in that game, (laughs) and she will not be here this time around. But the Thorns have historically struggled at Sky Blue. I I don't know if we really have a reason yet or whether we think that's going (laughs) to continue. Yeah,
0: I mean, Mark Parsons says this is the toughest trip trip that they make. That's fine. It's an obstacle that I think it's reasonable for other people to think they should find a way to overcome. And they have found found ways to get some results there, but they've always been difficult results. Now, Sky Blue is missing Carly Lloyd. You do look at that team and wonder how they're going to score goals. Maybe somebody like Savannah McCaskill steps up. But it it just seems like two relatively evenly matched teams. I mean, Sky Blue is not hit as hard by the World Cup absences. They're missing Carly Lloyd. They're missing their starting goalkeeper, Kaylin Sheridan. Missing a couple of other players, but they're just not missing players to the level that... Uh, that that the thorns are. So I think this is going to be a really, really tough game and I wouldn't be surprised if the thorns lose it.
1: Yeah. I, I think that this is potentially going to be a telling game. I, I think maybe seeing the home game against Chicago is going to be a more telling game because uh, yeah. the thorns will be back at home and, and there won't be that excuse of it, It's a tough travel. Yeah. Um, but given the, the the feelings, I think, coming out of that Washington game, the way the Thorns were talking about you needing to be better on defense, needing to have the right mentality, no more urgency, I, I think you want to see some of that happen in this game. And, and this is an opportunity for them to get some points on the road and put in a good performance. Um, but I, I don't know which way it's going to go.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, I keep going back and forth. I'm sorry to be repetitive here, but if I were a coach during this World Cup period, and I had an attack that had Anna Sernegorchevich and Dagny Brunyard's daughter. I would think that I've got pieces to work with here. And we've all seen Tyler Lucy play, especially if other people are around her are doing good work. She's going to make that work pay off. I don't think anybody else here thinks Tyler Lucy's a starting caliber player, but she's people, She's somebody that can come up with some scrappy goals. It's a, it really, to me, is a matter of getting those pieces to work. And unfortunately, at this point, I think people are right to be a little bit fearful at not seeing what the formula is going to be for that period. So um, let's go to Donna's question. Donna, one of the most persistent and consistent contributors to the show. Donna asks, what formation do you think Parsons needs to go to now that all the World Cup players are gone? I believe he went with a 3-4-3 on Saturday. So this is what we talked about last week. Mark Parsons always calls his formations different things than I, I think they are. But he's, he did go with three center backs and wing backs on Friday and a three-person midfield. So what do you think is the best formation going forward?
1: I think that it's sort of yet to be determined. I I heard Emily Mangus today talking about how she really likes the three back formation. Mm -hmm. Um, So if she has any say in it, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a similar formation this weekend, but... Given the performances so far, I also wouldn't be surprised if we quickly see some tweaks um, over the next weeks as as things sort of fall into place and when we see how the thorns are doing.
0: Yeah, Mark Parsons was asked after Orlando why he went to this switch. He said it was to try to pull Orlando's defense apart with having two forwards high against the line, uh, but he st- he stuck with the same formation against Washington. So, what what do we make of that? It kind of undermines his reasoning that it was an opponent-specific shift, unless he also saw those openings against potentially against Washington. I think the formation change plays into the personnel he has now, where he has a certain level of depth in defense, particularly when you start considering out of the five people that are starting as defenders, he still has Elizabeth Ball on the bench, he still has Kelly Hubley on the bench. Those are people that have played minutes last year. They have experience. In midfield, he has players like we saw Angela Salem come into the game. Gabby Seiler, who started in defense, could be slid into midfield. And what we're really talking about where they're thin is in the attack. So if you go to that formation, I think when everybody's healthy, you could conceivably have an attacking forward pair of Anasrnogorcevic and Midge Purse up there. I mean, even though their goal-scoring records haven't been great, I still think talent-wise you have to be kind of happy to have those options during a world cup year so at least personnel wise jamie i think i think you can see why mark parsons is shifting a little bit
1: yeah and i think i mean you've mentioned her a few times i think anna cernigorcevic could be critical to this stretch because she i think especially against what should be lesser talent on the other teams are has the possibility to be a consistent goal scorer has a has enough of a record in her career to to start scoring goals in this stretch when other teams are also dealing with absences, and if she doesn't, I think the Thorns are going to be in, in a bit more trouble.
0: Quite frankly, this is Anna Bogtovis's time to shine. Yeah, she should, she should be scoring goals or setting up goals during this this period. And I just, I you know, it almost became a joke where I would make my prediction every week Serna is going to score a goal Serna is going to score a goal I skip it for one week she scores in Houston last year she needs to be scoring goals during this period the level of talent in this league during this time she's going to be one of the more talented players in the league she needs to, she needs to play like it Yeah. she needs to do it in general how are you feeling about the Thorns they have one more game on the road right now they're in sixth place but on a points per game race basically those top six teams in the league are pretty bunched together how are you feeling about their start so far
1: I think their starts good for being on the road. Yeah, I I think that I have a lot of question marks about um, sort of their performances in individual games. Yeah, and I whether that how much you can blame that on being on the road, and I I definitely think I have question marks about how they're going to fare during this uh, stretch. Um, But when they have their, I I mean, I remain very confident in this team when they have their full lineup available, And, and I do expect. When they get all their players back, assuming those players come back healthy, that this team could go on a run, especially with all the home games they're going to have towards the end of the year.
0: Well, the whole fan base was left scarred at the end of 2015 (laughs) about the World Cup. And I think the whole Thorns culture was in a state of shock and it has remained in a state of shock for four years. Either that shock is going to go away over the next two months or it'll turn into a curse, a World Cup year curse. I mean, I keep going back to it. Like in 2016, the team was fine even amid the Olympic absences. Like one of the highlights in regular season Thorns history is when Nadia Nadim scored that goal against the Seattle Reign that had all their players back and the Thorns had none of their players and they won. They beat the team that would go on to finish first in the league that year. At the same time, it's easier to win games (laughs) when you actually have your most talented players, right? Jamie, prediction time. Let's go chronologically. By a matter of hours, we're going to talk about the Thorns first on Saturday. Long game on Saturday for Portland soccer fans. Long day, I should say. Yeah, you're
1: going to have to try to get those two TVs and stuff set up because those, there's some overlap with Thorns and Timbers.
0: Well, and for people that are going to T2 at Providence <laughs> Park on Saturday night at 7 o'clock, you're going to have to get the two phones set up and start be watching those as you're walking yeah. through the gates for the one of the two soft opening games that yeah. are going to happen before June 1st. Jamie, as is custom, you've predicted a 2-1 to victory for the home <laughs> team. Why are you doing that?
1: I have not. Um, I am going to go with a 1-1 draw. Um, I'm not super confident with where the Thorns are at right now. I'm also not super confident with Sky Blue getting this win, um, particularly without Carly Lloyd, who, who was instrumental towards that last yes. draw. So 1-1 draw. Not a tremendous result, but it is a road game.
0: Well... People know that on the timber side, I've developed players that I tend to talk about more than others. Julio Cascante might be the biggest <laughs> example, but Christian Paredes is one. Is Renzo Zambrano's name. Basically, they're these people that I invest in disproportionately. <laughs> and I think it's fair to say that the way I talk about them, at least, makes it seem like I'm playing favorites. I'm predicting a Tyler Lucy goal. <laughs> Last week, I predicted Tyler Lucy would start. She didn't. I keep saying Tyler Lucy, and guess what? I'm predicting Tyler Lucy is going to succeed during this period. I don't know if she's going to start, but she just seems like the type of player whose effort is going to make a name for her during the next eight weeks. So
1: you said it seems like you're playing favorites. What you meant to say is uh, you are playing favorites. No. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, look,
0: I chose my words with reason, okay? Okay. I will definitely say that the way I talk about them makes it seem like I do play favorites. (laughs) But, you know... I think I, there's also a coincidence that I tend to talk about the people that get the less, the yeah. less amount. So basically, I'm just being a hipster here. <laughs> That's all it is. Okay, let's move on to the next game. Timbers are going to be kicking off just as the Thorns end. They're going to be t- playing Philadelphia. Jamie, why did you pick the Union to win two to one? Here?
1: <laughs> I did not. Um, I don't know what to expect from this game because I am very confused as to why Philadelphia. And maybe it's, <laughs> maybe I need to watch more. They're, more. They're, they're decent. I know. Maybe I need to spend more of my time watching the Eastern Conference. But yeah. um, <laughs> if Philadelphia finishes first in the East this year, I, I don't know. Uh, but just based on how the Union have been playing and, and how the Timbers have been playing. I am going to predict a 1-1 draw here. The Timbers are going to end their road uh road run with 12 points, exactly the minimum number they wanted to start with.
0: <laughs> I think at the beginning of the year I picked, predicted 14 points. Yeah,
1: I just Merritt Paulson yeah. when I spoke with him, that that's oh. what he said. At least 12 points is what we sort of mapped out. Okay. So, well, it's what I've been going with.
0: They're certainly on pace, right? They're <laughs> it, exactly they that pace. They're
1: exactly that pace.
0: Well, I'm actually going to Go for a parlay here. I think Brian Fernandez is going to score a goal. I think Sebastian Blanco is going to have an assist. So I'm going to put those together. My prediction is Fernandez goal, Blanco assist. Let's drill down here. Let's get very specific. I'm not saying it's going to be a 1-1 game. But if it is a 1
1: 1 game, I know how the
0: goal is going to happen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or, or what's going to happen is Blanco's going to assist Valeri and Fernandez is going to score an unassisted goal. <laughs> there we go.
0: That could happen too. <laughs>
1: but that, your prediction would not count then, right? Yeah, it would, said, no, I'm not no, I'm oh, saying unassisted goal. No, no, the no, no, same no. Goal. Okay. no. Okay. Okay. Right. You're getting very specific. Okay.
0: Well, speaking of trying to predict the future, fantasy update time. These people that are trying to predict the future on a week to week basis. Our, our friend Mark Pinsmental gave us the update here, and Jamie. What's the table look like right now?
1: Yeah, it looks like we have a new team in third place. Uh, and it's an exciting one, actually. Um, Geostorm FC is no longer in third place. Uh, unfortunately, they've been knocked out of the top three. We have Flicking Portland FC. And that is Mark.
0: That is Mark.
1: That is Mark. Uh, our trusty friend who gives us our, all this info to begin with is now in third place. Uh, he says, just so you know, Flicking is a uh, soccer team table soccer reference um in case we were you know <laughs> yeah thinking another word uh, oh, yeah no
0: uh, okay <laughs> okay jamie goldberg all right second place is
1: <laughs> all right um, in second place we have i wrote this backward this time so i'm trying to find them um we have crowder's mug club that's xavier um he still has a perfect 11 0 and 0 record with a uh, thousand one hundred and seventy nine points And in first place, uh, once again, is Wooks Score More Goals. That's Robert uh, with a perfect record and 1,186 points.
0: Yeah, so if you're listening to this and you play in the Soccer Made in Portland Fantasy League, know that your Vancouver players and your Red Bull players, they're doubling up points this week because they got a midweek game. If you're listening to this and you play in another Fantasy League, ignore that because you don't deserve the information. (laughs) But I will say, you know, kind of digging in deeper here on the standings again, it is interesting that uh, Mark, his team... Flick and Portland has moved into third place. They have the greatest point difference in the league, but if you if you look as to why the points against column, he has the fewest points against in the league. And again, to circle back on this, you can't control your points against, but they're a really good indication of this quality of opposition that you've faced. So Mark has climbed to third place, but you have to figure the schedule's going to start evening out a little bit for him going forward. Now you look at the top of the league, where you got Wooks, they've allowed almost well almost they've allowed 63 more points than mark's team and they're still a perfect record they're still top of the league so they're excelling despite having a pretty decent level of competition and just based on you know my quick look at the analytics here (laughs) it looks like wooks is the team to beat here
1: all right yeah so you're gonna do a podcast on that next week hopefully an entire pod on the fantasy league i
0: think we just did as much as i possibly could but that does kind of lead into our last topic of the show. I don't even know how to approach this, Jamie. Which, should I just start talking? or
1: You, you already are talking. I'm already <laughs> talking.
0: What am I not talking? Well, um, yeah, I'm just realizing that this is, uh, this is something that I didn't want to say, but uh, it has to be said. So we are going to be starting a transition with Soccer Made in Portland. I say we. That's not really the case. Jamie is going to be starting a transition because... I am leaving the show, and uh, that's not a, not a really cool thing to do with Jamie, be, for, to Jamie because we've been doing this for a year, and um, the whole reason I did the show is to, well, there are two reasons. One, because one of my friends co-founded the show back in the day, so I felt some uh, loyalty to it, and secondly is to do a, a show with Jamie, but after a year of doing the show, um, just to be quite honest... I think if people saw we released a new podcast with the Timbers today called Breaking Lines, we're gonna be spending more time trying to develop our podcast offerings with the team. And if there's one thing that I have learned through this kind of initially rocky transition from Chris Reifer to me, but now I think you and I are both really proud of the show we do every week, it's that there's only so much acceptance there's ever gonna be for a club person doing a show with an independent media member. And you know, we talk about it, Probably I don't know once every three months or so. So the the numbers for the show are strong. People have people have been giving us positive feedback for it, but it has kind of showed me that there is unfortunately at this point a place for club media to be, and I think it's it's under the club media umbrella. So while it took me a long time to decide how that should affect soccer main Portland, ultimately it came down to wanting to concentrate my time on the things that basically i'm being paid to do um and having said this out loud you know jamie and i have been talking about this for a little under two months now um and we've gone back and forth with it for me it was a really tough decision because i think the soccer this this podcast can be really important for people that devote a lot of time to the timbers and thorns but i also think in order for this podcast to be as important as it can be i think it's it's probably time for me to um for me to concentrate on the things that I can do that offer the most value, and for better or worse, I think that uh, I think that we've seen that this this podcast might be better with two independent people. Um, I gotta say, I don't know if that's necessarily fair, but I think it's the reality of things.
1: And I, I think uh, it's important to mention that this is not going to be an immediate transition. Um, yes, we we are for the next uh, month or. or uh, into the summer a little bit going to be basically keeping things the same um we there might be a week or two we take off but we're for a little while that we're going to keep things the same um as we transition into um me working to find a new host uh there's some ideas there already but uh nothing we're ready to announce on that front but uh so by sometime in the summer uh it's going to be me working with someone else on this podcast uh but for the Meantime, uh, Richard yeah. won't be going away immediately.
0: Yeah, I, I should say, you know, part of the reason that I am also fading out from this is just it's a time consideration. I could not, with the things that we we're going to be doing with the club, re- be a reliable host for Jamie. And, and quite honestly, there were already points where I was not being as reliable as I should with Jamie. Um, and we worked on those things behind the scenes. Uh, but we, we just kind of had to make a choice. I had to make a choice on that. Um, and this this was my choice um you know for people that are thinking I'm making the wrong choice by this or even like leaving the show too soon know that this is on me as far as what I'm choosing to do, but until that transition that we're talking about is complete i'm I'm gonna be doing shows with Jamie. There may be a week that comes up where I get pulled away and we have to do a show on a different day or find another host, but we it should be. Pretty much business as usual, except for a couple of weeks. There's one week where neither team plays that we might take off in the middle of June. But um, I guess I want to say, look, I mean, Jamie and I both saw it from people that were really devoted to the way the show was. We got a lot of negative feedback at the beginning. Uh, They didn't want somebody who uh, sounded like he was speaking for the club on the show. And in hindsight, it it was almost difficult that I came onto the show during a time that the team basically went... Fifteen games in league unbeaten and we're just sitting here saying shiny things about that the team the whole time but I think people who listen to the show know that um, both of us have been fair about what we've said about the team and I'm gonna miss doing this show because I was really proud of um, the analysis and the discussion that we brought to the teams and I, I hope it I hope it will continue and i I honestly hope those people who uh, who did drift away or um, come back? And those people that did come and made up those numbers, that they stayed too, because, like you said, we've, I think we've gotten such great feedback for the last three or so months. Yeah. It's it's been, it's been really super encouraging. So thank you to everybody um, who has interacted with the show and has shown us that how much that you appreciate it, because it, that honestly makes it all worthwhile.
1: It's a sad.
0: I know. I I didn't think it was going to be sad. I feel
1: sad, but it is, like you said, it's business as usual for now. So we'll, we'll keep everyone updated on the transition. Um, but I guess, I mean, I I guess that's where we're ending. Uh, you know, we are going to be back next week.
0: How are we going to do this when it's actually the last show though? Should we just not say anything and just, you have a new (laughs) post next week?
1: We'll approach that when it happens.
0: (laughs) Either way, we'll have a lot of good women's world cup stuff to talk about. Yeah we'll have the new stadium opening to talk about. Absolutely. So we'll have a lot of good stuff to talk about over these next uh, six or seven weeks. And hopefully for those people who have been interacting with us, you continue to do so. and We can make this a really good last month and a half. And um, I mean, I say month and a half, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Um, but hopefully uh, hopefully, we can make this a few memorable shows.
1: Yeah. Um, well, that's all from us today. We will be back next week. Uh, and uh, hopefully pretty much every week um but you can find us uh every week on oregon live Sumtown footy and timbers.com you can also subscribe on itunes and stitcher and until next week take care